Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee. This is the Autosport Podcast. Formula One reverts to a regular schedule this weekend. No sprint race format. I'll say this quietly, not that I'm in front of Stefano Domenicali, who I'm sure would have a sprint format every weekend if he could. I rather like it. Back to normal, as it were. The teams get a chance to practice. The cars look different. We're over 2,000 metres above sea level here. So there's some challenges there. Uh, going back a few years, then the, the combustion bit of the engine would make quite a big difference here around Mexico City. We'll find out what the deal is these days with the competitive order after FB1, FB2, joined by Autosport.com's Sam Hall. Welcome back to the podcast. How did you enjoy a non-sprint Friday? I massively enjoyed it being back to the normal schedule quite enjoy fridays of a sprint weekend saturdays less so but i'll take a good two solid if not the most entertaining sessions we've ever seen i just think it gives more of a meritocracy to a formula one weekend which is why i enjoy watching formula one because it's a chance for engineers drivers strategists to build into a sunday afternoon grand prix and again i know that actually although i've been a little outspoken against the sprint format it has actually given us some really interesting fridays and some half decent saturdays as well so i'm probably an outlier here I like it. It feels like more of a game of chess as you're building up to uh, what happens on Sunday. And of course, there are some conditions here. So what did we learn, do you think, in terms of what the teams have had to face coming here to uh, Mexico City? And what do the cars look like and what kind of downforce packages are they run in? Oh, the cars have got the biggest wings you are going to see all year. But quite perversely, they've probably got the least downforce that they will have all year, despite these wings. Because of the altitude, it's something like 2,200 metres, something like that. It's ridiculously high, um, the highest on the calendar. Um, so they've got big cooling vents to cope with this because there's not the air to naturally cool everything. We learnt that Williams have got a blooming quick car this weekend. Alex Albon was top three throughout FP1 consistently, dropped off in FP2. Who doesn't want to see Alex Albon up there and... There was a brief time that I was messaging a couple of people and saying, you know, Alex Albon, top three, could it happen? And then we've got Alfa Romeo as well. They seem to be right up there. Um, The order just likes to change so far at the moment. So especially if you look at those teams towards the back of the field, you've got Alfa Tauri, Haas, Alfa Romeo and Williams. There is a chance for those teams to score a good fistful of points. Daniel Ricciardo for Alfa Tauri is sixth. This could define that battle at the the rear end of the championship and it's really nerdy, but I'm really excited for that. Well, let's talk about actually what we saw in, in FP1. All 10 Formula 1 teams have to run a junior driver during practice sessions, two practice sessions across the calendar year in 2023. And I think it's fair to say that some of them have left things a little bit late. We realized halfway through, or it was mainly over the summer break, I was talking about this to somebody, and they were saying there's a bit of a log jam coming up because there's so many sprint races uh, on the way that you can't do the young drivers because you wouldn't put your main driver uh, on the bench for 
the only practice session on a sprint weekend. So we saw some plenty, actually, this weekend. Oli Behrman in the Haas, uh, part of Ferrari's Young Driver program. Uh, a couple of Frenchmen, Isaac Hadjar in the Alfa Tauri and Tau in the Alfa Romeo. Aussie Jack Doohan in the Alpine and Frederick Vesti. The Danish driver also got an outing as well. Did any of those shine? Because I guess, I mean, these these guys have got such a tough task, haven't they? Because if you bin it trying to look a hero, that's you done and dusted. So there's very little you can gain apart from being solid, which is all a bit boring. But what did you think? Um, Oli Behrman um, impressed me. He was faster than Fernando Alonso in that session, who was Alonso, fair enough, he was confined to the garage for pretty much the first half of it, so mitigating certain circumstances. But he's in a Haas, he was arguably the slowest car of the five that were taking part. Um, just to run you through them, Hajar was in the Alpha Tauri, Duan, Alpine, Vesti in the Mercedes, and Porcher was in the Alfa Romeo. So Behrman had a tough job and he was comfortably the fastest. Teo Porcher didn't get a time in. He kept going out and kept reporting that he had a long brake pedal. Not what you want around this track. It's not what you want on any track. Um, so he didn't actually set a time. I think he might have done five or six laps, but they were all one lap out of the pits and then done. Jack Doohan also caught my eye. He was slap bang in the middle, third of the lot of them. But he was speaking on Sky Sports afterwards and he said that he wasn't allowed to do quick times. He was doing development work that was for the 2024 direction, not the actual car, but the direction they were going to go in. Um, so he's looking forward to Abu Dhabi and also the postseason tyre test there, or young driver test, um, where he'll get out on track again. Frederick Vesti, it was very difficult to judge. I wasn't overly impressed, but I don't really know what Mercedes were doing because Lewis Hamilton was only 11th and Vesti was pretty much bang on the dot, two seconds slower. So I don't know what they were doing, but odds are, again, they were trying directions and different things. Um, so you can never take these times as as written, um, but Oli Behrman was the one that impressed me the most. So let's get into our times then in FP2 when teams tend to be a little more representative in their short run pace and a little more representative in their long run pace, but everyone's turning things down. It's that time of the season when parts are starting to get a little bit worn. So this isn't, you know, Q3 in qualifying, but what can we start to pick out of the data, do you think, to tell us a competitive order here on this rather unique circuit? We can start with position number one, which won't come as any surprise. It's pretty much who has been there all season. Uh, Max Verstappen topped both sessions, um, one and a half tenths only clear of Lando Norris in uh, FP2. Um, McLaren and Ferrari look very, very evenly matched. In both sessions, they were very close. Um, Sergio Perez, with the home support there or thereabouts, only only about three-tenths off of Max, which if we were looking at Aston Martin and we were saying Lance, is on, Lance Stroll is only three-tenths off Fernando Alonso, you'd go, yeah, that, that, that's a fair result. That's a fair pace. So... As much as I am the first person to bash Sergio when he has a bad result, I'd say that he he's pretty much on the money this weekend. Verstappen's main fight is going to be with probably Lando Norris and the two Ferrari drivers. Um, and while we're on that, Carlos signs in FP1, actually. 
he had to sit out a decent amount of the session with a hydraulic problem. Um, he'd lost all ability to change gears and had no power steering. Ferrari in that session got that completely turned around so, and repaired. So fair play to Ferrari, brilliant effort. If we're looking for a surprise, I've, I've already listed Alfa Romeo, um, Alfa Tauri and Williams are all capable of it. Um, but Alex Albon has got to be that driver who I'd look at and go, you've got the best chance. They've got a very slippery car. They've got a car that's really, it's renowned for being brilliant in a straight line and for being really difficult to overtake because of that. And that's exactly what you need here. So if he can get a top 10 starting position on Sunday, I reckon the top seven is within his reach. As I said to you before we uh, we hit record, let's have a little chat about Aston Martin because the wheels rather fell off there Friday and you went, well, actually quite the opposite. They haven't. That's the problem. Oh, Can no, they tell- didn't. <laughs> Touche, sir. Well done. <laughs> uh, yeah, tell us what happened with Aston today. A, a, a bit of a day to go and debrief and move on. First of all, the weather didn't help them when they finally actually got on track. In a country that's usually given us brilliant weather, it started raining quite heavy by the end of the session, although they managed to avoid using wets or inters. But yeah, yeah, the left front of Lance Stroll's Aston Martin would not come off. Um, it was described as being similar to what happened to Valtteri Bottas uh, in Monaco in what is officially F1's longest pit stop in the sport's history, um, where they ground the edge of the nut off and they just couldn't get that off. Eventually, they did get him back out on the track, but that was, like I say, when the rain came. So um, a team that's lacking form, lacking pace at the moment because Fernando Alonso was 20th and Stroll only 18th. Could we be looking at another Q1 double exit for them? That would be, I don't want to use the word humiliating. I want to stop slightly short of that, but I can't think of what that word would be. Like you say, without the wheel falling off, the wheels are coming off at Aston Martin. They're behind McLaren in the Constructors' Championship now. And could it possibly get worse? I haven't got the the table in front of me to see Mm. who could come up behind them next. Yeah, I think it's a fair odd gap. And you and I only talking on one of the Friday podcasts, only a few weeks ago, a few races ago, actually. And we were talking about, well, you know, could McLaren do it? They've got the time and, and, yeah, they've, they've surpassed Aston for fourth with you know, four races to go. And I think somebody said to me in the week, you know, 80-something points behind Ferrari. And he takes a couple of DNFs for Ferrari and Norris and Lando to have a, a great weekend. And that tightens right up. And I thought, is that reaching a bit? But McLaren definitely on the ascendancy. McLaren's form, they are the form team at the moment. And if they carry on this form, it's entirely doable. If a Mac- Mercedes are only 20 points further up the road than... Ferrari so exactly yeah where well, do, they won't get Red Bull we can cons- <laughs> we can conclusively say that they're not uh, getting yes. Red Bull yes well no, no one's catching even, even if Perez had sat this season out no one's catching Verstappen on his own uh, there's um uh, going into Austin last weekend Lando Norris said oh no this is a circuit that certainly won't suit us we'll be terrible here this weekend so of course he got second after the uh, post-race things that happened so he's gone into this weekend going oh the track doesn't suit us we're going to be terrible this weekend so one once again, McLaren, at least Lando Norris, setting expectations somewhere near the floor. Well, we'll wait and see. Now, let's talk a little bit about the hangover from Austin and Lewis Hamilton, Charles Leclerc being disqualified post-race. Lewis Hamilton and Toto Wolff, he's always got his back, have said, hey, they checked four cars with a 50% failure rate. Uh, were any of the other cars that weren't checked, because you've got to release those cars from Park Ferme, 
uh, at some point, you get half an hour afterwards to do those checks. Uh, how many of the other cars weren't legal either? Who else wore the uh, down below uh, the nine the nine millimeters the, uh, the the plank as we it's reinforced resin, but um, the plank as we call it, and uh, a, a sort of setting that up. Now the FIA have come back and said we detected in the Mercedes and the Ferrari of those two drivers particularly a lot of oscillation, and we saw a lot of movement that vertical movement. And so we wanted to check those two cars and we picked two other cars at random as a compare and contrast. And the two cars that we didn't see any movement hitting the ground uh, were Verstappen and Norris and they and they passed. Uh, so what's happened this weekend? Why is Lewis Hamilton still talking about it? Any merit in what they're saying? I'll start with Charles Leclerc, who's the sort of easier party to cover off, shall we say, because he is very accepting of this and he's gone, it happens. It's we're banged to rights. The plan, it's like the offside rule in football, whether or not you like VAR, it gets it so that you are either on or offside. And this is a black and white rule. Either the skid is worn too much or it's not. And you're banged to rights. It's, I think they said it was 94 that someone was last thrown out because of this as a uh, as a reason so it's it's not something that's even come up in a sprint before perfect storm really but then we come to lewis who and i've got the quote up here because i didn't want to get this one wrong um he's the quote is i've heard from several different sources that there were a lot of other cars that were also illegal but they weren't tested so they got away with it now the fia has seen data and it's gone we need to check these two cars specifically because we can tell that something's not right here and then they've selected two other cars at random to essentially corroborate the data the problem here is and i don't know where you draw the line on how many cars you test because you have to have a line otherwise i think they said it would take five hours to test all of the cars and it comes down to at the end of the day do fans want to wait five hours or potentially a couple of days to know the result of the race that they watched on sunday or do they want everything to be sort of absolutely everything to be checked on every car. The first thing I would have done in their position, gone, right, we've seen this data on Hamilton and Leclerc's car. We found it's the plank is worn too much. We are going to go and check Russell and Sainz's car. We're going to check the sister cars to make sure this isn't just an issue with the data. It's not something that the team has specifically done. It's just something on these cars. I think they're banged to rights. I'm not entirely sure I have a controversial take on this, and I know you like my I, controversial takes. Well, often um, you say you say yeah, if you have an opinion, you're not afraid to say it. If you've got you know an argument to back it up, and if if this one is one of those ones, you go, all right, well, it happened. That's fine, no problem. I'm happy to go with that because I I do blame the sprint weekend, and we had we you know we we saw this. I think you know we we saw the same in uh, in Belgium. Both Red Bulls got their ride height calculations. It was a wet dry weekend. It was sprint weekend. We think they messed up a little bit, and these teams are so incredible at what they do. But uh, you know, it's it's also fabulously hard. And we saw both drivers lifting off, losing a second in the in fir- the first sector because they didn't want to go through a rouge flat chat. You know, they didn't want that vertical compression pushing the car down into the ground, going up over rouge and and wearing the plank. And I'm not ever ever accusing Red Bull of any of, of, of actually whether they would have failed that because they've got half an hour to do you know weigh the cars to weigh the drivers 
front wings, the chassis, the floor, the nose, all parts of the wings on certain cars, fuel samples, oil samples, they're checking oil consumption. They've got a million things to do if we're ever going to know the race, uh, the result of a Formula One race. What they could have done is they can always impound a part. We've seen front wings and rear wings at various different parts be impounded for different issues. All 20 cars, we're impounding your skid block. We all want consistency from the rules. While you've been talking, I have brought up the FIA scrutineering doc from spa oh it's a fascinating read what, this isn't it what better thing have we got to do on a friday evening a gone midnight between you and i on a friday podcast on a uh, but on a saturday uh, morning come on <laughs> it's a saturday morning now uh, but the cars that they chose to inspect after spa were cars 177 and 22 max's car was given the complete once over they didn't as far as i understand measure the thickness of the of the skids there's a bazillion other things that they check including the floor fences the floor edges and the floor body so they wouldn't they would have noticed this doesn't something's a lot of wear here or maybe they wouldn't been able to eyeball it i like i don't know joe bauer and that technical team have a a fabulously impossible task to do and for an armchair critic like me i don't overstep you mentioning uh, the floor though it's important to remember for the US Grand Prix, Mercedes had a new floor. Yeah, they true. were running a new floor. It's a notoriously bumpy track, even though they'd resurfaced bits. It's a bumpy track. So those two factors combined and a sprint weekend. So they didn't have the data on how low can we go from earlier in the weekend. Yeah. You want a perfect storm for an accident like this to happen. That's your one. Can't wait to see what happens this weekend on a, a regular weekend. And uh, I must admit, you know, if I want to throw a bit more dirt at the sprint race format, it's just not enough time to rock on up and, and let the cars out for an hour and then put them in park firmer conditions. But there you go. Everyone's got the same rules. It's a level playing field. Everyone everyone has to do it. So we'll wait and see how, how this weekend goes. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. As always, it's a pleasure. So we look forward to catching you on the next one whenever that may be thank you dear listener for tuning in and we will catch you on the next podcast sports social podcast network